0: In front of a live virtual audience on the Duck Pond. Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, live. Mallard.com. M-A-L-L-I-A-R-D.com. One more thing before we start. Let me turn it over to my friend that you may know from ancient aliens and the Curse of Oak Island and many other things. Robert Clotworthy.
1: On the Malliard Report, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the hosts and guests, and not necessarily of Evergreen Podcasts, KillerPodcast.com, sponsor or affiliate, or any other individual or group. On the Malliard Report, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the hosts and guests, and not necessarily of Evergreen Podcasts, KillerPodcast.com, sponsor or affiliate, or any other individual or group.
0: Good evening. I hope everybody's doing well. Don't forget to go over to SarahTheWoodDuck.com. Check all her fun artwork and creative ideas out. Tonight, my guest is Cheryl Acosta. She is a short story author, dramaticist. I don't even think I've ever said that word before. A veteran (laughs) journalist, UFO researcher and writer, and self-proclaimed mystic. She saw her first UFO at the age of 12. She has co authored with Linda Miller Acosta the groundbreaking... UFO site desk: A reference of UFOs in America. So far, oh well. See, I have old information here. You've completed all fifty states, so we're just. I just had that, so I'm just gonna clean that up as I'm reading. And uh, well, Cheryl, welcome to the show. All fifty states. Hey, how are you? <laughs> are Are you uh, slightly insane or more than insane?
2: Uh, when Linda and I exchanged vows eighteen years ago. Um. People in that part now do know one foot in the Twilight Zone. Oh,
0: boy. I've got
2: one. Hey, what the heck?
0: I think we all have one foot on Crazy Street, don't we?
2: (laughs) What is (laughs) it? Jim, you're occasionally dropping out. Just yeah, soon. I was gonna
0: say we, we were doing good before the show started, and then now all of a sudden we're. we're...
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you you mentioned one foot on Crazy Street, so I heard that. So we're we're gonna start there. So okay, you started you started seeing UFOs at the age of twelve. So I mean, somebody had to fuck your little off. I'll just be honest.
2: Yeah, um, actually, my parents pointed it out. I had never really given it a thought, and. Um, and then what happened was uh, it was an August afternoon, uh, a couple weeks before school started, you know. And we were coming down off a, a hill from my uncle's farm, and my mother had my father stop the car. And we were in a Chevy Impala. It had been a wet season, the corn was higher than the car, and um, she pointed out in the western sky. This is down around um, uh, near Bath, New York, and uh, there. Parked out there, clear blue sky, not a cloud in the sky, parked out there, it was like this silver ball, and it was sitting there like it was like a rock and to Give you an idea if you hold your thumb out, take a look at your th- thumbnail that 's how big that sucker was, wow. okay and um, so my mother said, "You know well, this is sixty five NASA's is a new thing, maybe it 's something they're doing, maybe it 's something the air force is doing, maybe it 's a weather balloon." then she said, she looked at me and she says, maybe it's people from another world. Wow. You know, that made my head race. So we we watched it for a few more minutes and got dad started the car. We got down the bottom off the dirt road, got back on the state car road and started heading back and and. I got up in the window, the back window of that those big Chevy Palace in those days. had those big windows in the back, right? And I got up there and I had my hands on my fist. You know, who are you guys? Who are you guys? And when that thing decided to leave, it was, I didn't see an effect like that again until like the 90s with one of the Star Trek movies. So that that thing, you know, you know, that burst of light kind of thing. And it, a thing like that changes you. And so, you know, I was just coming into being, I was 12, coming into being 13, you know, teenager, mom and dad are stupid, you know, and uh, I, mom and I had an understanding. We, we got books. I was a boy person in those days. So if I was in a barber shop and there was a good magazine, there was a good article in Argosy magazine or something like that for UFOs, I'd borrow it, take it across the street and run a copy at the copy shop, you know, and and take it home, show it to my mom. She got books at the bookstore. I got books at the library. So we had this collaboration going. Uh, We didn't agree about anything else, but that we could talk about. And um, that was pretty much the deal. Uh, I, I went in the Air Force in 1970 when I graduated from high school and they had this thing this big list of all these organizations you couldn't be a member of if you were going to have a security clearance. Big list. And I said, well, I'm just going to have to play it close to my chest and not be public about this. So I wasn't. And I went two years in the Air Force. Then I was in, in the Navy for about seven or eight years. Okay. I did high-tech stuff in the Navy. I was in nuclear submarines. I, it, I I was a senior electronic warfare specialist. I gathered electronic intelligence, and they figured out I had a dark room, and, and they sent me to Periscope Photography School, so I got to gather photographic intelligence. <laughs> Beyond that, I can't tell you what I did. And... um So, and then I almost immediately got sucked into the military industrial complex and went to work for what would later be a a Lockheed Martin division. And I was with them 32 years. So I was under security clearance for 40 years. And I couldn't talk about this stuff. I, I was reading everything, and I, 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 every time I ran across a book or something like that, you know, I did. I got sick um, after coming back from a, a, a business trip, and I a friend of mine says, "Hey, don't be in that lonely apartment. Why don't you stay over at my house? My dad's on chemo. Come over there, relax, be quiet, okay? And I'll check in on you." I said, "Fine, okay." This guy had first editions of all the best hardback UFO books published up to 1990. Okay. <laughs> it was like going to college because the guy didn't have cable. I came home from work every night and I had lots of stuff to read, you know. so um, Oh, excuse get, me. Zootype. Oh. So when I got out of lot when they retired me in 2011, uh, I went to work. Uh, remember, I had a tech background. I was an electronic technician by trade. I went to work for a newspaper in their technical division, okay? in our department, the electronics shop, we were there to do maintenance if there was the press or something broke down or some related uh, support gear. But basically, to give us something to do, we made the plates every night. Big laser printer kind of operation and make the plates, okay? Imagine a big cookie sheet without edges, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, one night in uh, 2000, uh 12, there was this article that said, uh, UFOs have been declining since the 1980s. Maybe they were always just an urban legend. <laughs> and I looked at that and I said, that can't be right. So I, first time in my life, I went out to the National UFO Reporting Center and I dug back into a page, couple of pages, found some year-end totals for from 2015 up to the present year. And the, the curve, I put them, dropped the numbers into a spreadsheet and the curve went up like a rock, a parabolic curve to a rocket for a rocket. And I said, what memo didn't the UFOs get? You know, <laughs> uh, so I, I kind of, kind of kicked back at it. I was finishing a writing degree uh, at the time of a 40 year old bachelor's degree I've been hammering at through my career. But I kept getting transferred places and I had to start over again, so to speak. So I was finishing this degree in entertainment writing. And so I started the next night at the newspaper while the press is running that 90 minutes or two hours to run the press. All we have to do is sit there and wait till it's done and we all can go home. So I would sit there on on, online and I would look, I would read some of these write-ups uh, about people's personal settings Some of them were as simple as I, Wow we saw this really cool thing And that's about all they said Other people write, actually read an essay About what they saw And their feelings and things So I started punching some of that up Into newspaper stories And I went around town tried, Went around to the different newspapers In upstate New York And started trying to pitch the idea Of a weekly column or column online or something like this, you know, blog column. And I got laughed out of the office, chased out of the office, uh, escorted to the door by security out of the office, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, finally a guy who ran, uh, who used to work at the paper I worked for um, who took a buyout, was now the editor-in-chief over at this other place, weekly. He said, come on over, let's talk. So he gets me in there and we're having coffee and he says, you know, and you know, I think I've read the same books you have We're about the same age And we started bouncing off what books we'd read when we were kids And that, that type of thing And by golly, yeah, we had a similar background He says, I'm sympathetic He says, I can't write this column Because I'm the editor-in-chief But you can, I'll try you out for a month I gave him five articles to go And about a month later He calls me up and he's got this tone Like the, the Dread Pirate Roberts on The Princess Bride I'll most likely kill you in the morning Kind of tone, you know and I get over I get over there, I'm ten minutes late for the meeting, the parking lot's all torn up. I get in there, he's talking to the columnists, they're all wrapped around the big conference table, and he stops, He looks over, sees me, points at me, and says, There's our rock star. I said, What are you talking about? He says, You've been here a month and on the online edition, you're pulling more page views than all the columnists combined. Keep <laughs> doing it. So, um, they had several layoffs sometime after that they they sent me down and said don't worry you're not going anywhere and so i i wrote my column for the next 7 years until they closed the doors
0: which i mean there has to be a relief honestly the go from being not able to publicly talk about something you enjoy to now being able to publicly talk about it and then, oh, then yeah. and then the next i mean layer on top of it getting some notoriety and some, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything good that comes from the UFO community.
2: <laughs> well, the conferences were a lot of fun. Think of them as a little paid vacation every once in a while, in some, some cool place, you know, uh, that was a lot of fun. And the, the magazine or the newspaper looked at it as a prestige point. The first time uh, there was a page two in the printed edition and that was always taken by the editor. And here's this one day, he's got a picture of himself there. And he says, do you know that the the hottest column in our newspaper is an imprint? You know, and he was talking about the online edition. And then he added, he says, Cheryl is going, Cheryl Costa is going to speak at the convention in a, in a week. And th- the next Thing we know we're picking up more and more of these speaking gigs with these ufo conventions and to and, and we came out with our first book of statistics in 2017 and when 2019 rolled around i was booked someplace every two weeks for the entire year <laughs> and that's before we did not know about covid <laughs> yeah, <I'm gonna> say. <laughs> because suddenly it was like we hit a concrete wall at the end of 2019 but um it was uh that was a that was a wild year in fact the goofy thing this is a girl girl talk thing i had a set of clothes that i thought would be comfortable for the conference i would go to a conference i would come back they'd be all sweaty i would run them through the wash i'd press them up fold them up Put them back in the suitcase So if you took a look at me At any conference that year It seems like it was always The same conference because I wore the same set Of clothes all year long <laughs> I I always
0: joke about the people that have paparazzi following them around. I'm like, they should wear the same outfit all the time. And then nobody would know when the picture
2: was from. So here you are living proof that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what the other reason I did that because all these people want to take pictures, pictures of you, you know, and I didn't want to have, I, I hid all these outfits balanced for that kind of pictures, you know? Yeah. So that worked out very well. The other thing I did was because I'm a trans person and I'm in a lady, a wife, a lady and lady marriage. Um, I, we had, as researchers had a lot of people yell at us and scream at us. First thing, it was like, they didn't know who the heck we were. It seems like we fell out of the sky when we published our first statistics book. Who the hell are they? Are they field investigator? What the heck? You know, oh my God, they're gay. Oh, they can't be doing UFO research. And we heard all this stuff. So I added four extra slides to the beginning of my presentation after the title slide. And I said, I want to show you who I am. I showed a picture of me in combat gear in Vietnam. I showed me a picture of me in, in, uh, in, in a nice dark Navy uniform with a big Paul Bunyan submarine beard. And then I showed a nice, lovely glamour shot. I said, that's who I w- had been. This is who I really wanted to be. And this is who I am. And here's Mint Linda and me jumping over the broom at our wedding. You know, <laughs> oh, you know, and, then, and I stepped front, front and center in the, on the stage and said, guys, if you can't handle us, you will never deal with ET.
0: And did that qu- clench some of that or quell some
2: I, of that? I, th- I was afraid I was going to get ashtrays thrown at me, you know, uh, from the right? <laughs> I got a house to fight 600 people, right? You know, no, actually, I got a number of standing ovations I was really shocked to get.
0: So okay, so we mentioned that I don't know if we mentioned this now or in the pre-show, but you finished fifty UFO books, one for each state. Mm-hmm. Okay, A, why, why one for each state? And B, are you crazy?
2: <laughs> yes, I'm crazy. Yeah, okay, no, no. Actually, I've been through two full sets of psychologicals. One paid for by the Defense Department to set a perfectly healthy woman took this test. So I'm I'm quite sane um so i've got a letter on the wall that says that and so i've got a letter that says i'm saying what do you got you know (laughs) say say, say, you know my letter says Um, i've
0: got a screw loose or at least one (laughs) there you go there
2: you go okay um what the deal was uh when we did the pink book back this is the 2001 to 2020 statistics um desk reference book. We made it pink because people in 2019, the usual suspects, the lobby guys down in DC told us that Rubio was going to put a bill in with some kind of continuing spending package. And he was, uh, 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 it it was going to pass with that. And they were going to have congressional hearings maybe in 2020 or 2021. Of course, again, we didn't know COVID was coming. And uh, so they said, you girls are the only ones that have ever done the statistics. Not even Project Blue Book did this stuff. So we said, okay. So they said, will you testify before Congress if they called you? I said, (laughs) we were were contractors. You're not supposed to to work your whole career not to have to testify before Congress, right? I was going to say, I don't think that normally goes over too well. (laughs) No, no, no. So uh, we said, sure, okay, fine. So we get off the air. And, uh, or get off the phone to speak. Lynn and I were talking, and I said, Well, imagine it. We're having dinner. And I said, Imagine it. We're on C SPAN. They got the congressional hearings up there. It's going to look like Jim Bassett's uh, citizen hearings or something, you know. And there's going to be guys up there flipping through these books and things. We want them to know that book was done by women, right? And she says, Yeah. So we decided to make the cover bright pink. You can't, you can flag an aircraft with this thing, okay? And uh, so that was the plan. Now, the other question that had come up, especially since we did the original book that was a 2001 to 2015 statistical study that came out in 2017, um, people said we could only go to the state and the county level. And people said, when are you going to go down to like my, my city level, the village level or something like this? So COVID comes along. We got nothing better to do all dressed up, no place to go. And so one day I was sitting there and I said, well, let's start getting ready for the 2020 book. We got to wait till the end of 2020 to do it. And uh, so I ran a report of what we thought we would like to do in the form of a PDF. And it going down to the city level would have been 6,500 pages <laughs> it would have been three Oxford dictionaries cheap. Nobody's going to, one, I can't print it like that, and nobody's going to buy a thing like that, okay? So we said maybe we have to do something else. The other problem we found is that in the database, 3.5% of the database, which worked out to be about 6,000 lines of, of entries, didn't enter a city. And if they did enter something, they said something like, my boss told me not to tell you. The sheriff told me not to tell you. My husband told me not to tell you where we live. Or the more colorful one was, I'm in a I'm in a village of 12 houses. If I file this, everybody will know it's me. You know, that kind of attitude. The other thing we discovered, 7.5%, another 12,000 records. They didn't spell the name of their city right.
0: Okay. Well, that's that's awkward at best. But go on. I'm sorry. I'm just thinking and it, about <laughs> it.
2: Can't run spell check against it, and or the other problem, it they, they was either case issues or they like put an extra space in the beginning before they typed the first letter. Um, there was mixed case versus straight case. You know, it was all this stuff. Plus, there was the other the other major problem in this this group of ones uh, that they would say yes. UFO okay Jasper Wyoming next to Joe's gas station or Joe's pizza you can't sort anything like that and I was an IT manager I'm going oh Jesus what am I <laughs> going to do here you know so it was the middle of August 2020 and we realized that if we were going to go down to the village level we were going to have to clean that up okay so and to the whole to the whole database for essentially and make sure to make sure the right counties were with the right states and with the right with the right cities and things you know so we got a golden mail list we brought the database down into spreadsheet form got them in the columns got a golden mail list aligned the columns so that they would merge and then sorted them in they were colored okay we made that 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 database uh, a light blue and mixed it in with the, the other database and sorted it by state and by city. And then we, if we saw a city spelled wrong, we fixed it. If we saw this, the County was wrong, we fixed it, you know, but it was an effort of anywhere from 500 to 1200 lines a day. It took, I was back. It was like going back to work at Lockheed. I was working 35 hours a week, five days a week. It took 850 hours to do this correction effort but while we were at it we added the golden mail list had lat longitude had zip codes that kind of stuff so we added lat longitude and zip codes and things like that and i am so glad i did not so much for lat longitude but for zip code we have uncovered so many secrets based on zip codes of where the ufos are stuff nobody knew so
0: I was just wondering that as you were going through all these details, do we have any clear
2: patterns or things that... Oh, yeah. Big time. Okay. Let me say it this way. Let me first say this. there, There are five drivers and there are five influencers. Drivers happen every state. Influencers, not every state. It's only certain states. So... Okay, people, before we did our books, would say, UFOs, oh, Cheryl, that's driven by population. More eyes on the sky, big cities. You plot the dots, they're all around the big cities. Okay. We found out that that isn't necessarily true. Give an example. When our white book came out, people said to us, wait a minute, how can Texas be number three and Florida number two because Texas has twice the population of of Florida? And we figured out that it was driven by, it had the influencer of bodies of water. Florida had 1,200 miles of coastline. Texas had 400. Okay. The other issue we found out that there was a difference between the latitude states up in the northern states. They had a thing, a very flat line for month to month, except for a peak between June, July, and August. Warmer weather. Moved down to the middle-level states. Linda, Linda discovered this. Moved down to the middle-level states. It was essentially statistically flat, but there was a smaller peak, and the bottom baseline came up. Got down to the deep south states, and it was statistically flat, but it had a dip in the summer months because it's too bloody hot to be outside. We're talking like south Florida Texas, Georgia, the states along those latitudes. So temperate weather was a driver. Leisure time is a driver, okay? Because we discovered at leisure time, hand in hand with hours of darkness, that 68 to 75% of the sightings occur between about six o'clock at night and 1130 with the bulk of it between 830 and 1030 at night. The other 16 hours a day from one o'clock in the morning to four or five o'clock in the afternoon only represented about 25% of the sightings. Nobody knew this before. Okay. And then the other driver is observer access to broadband. We found there were 3,135 counties in the United States 3030 of them had ufo reports over the 20 year period of the book 2001 to 2020 and 105 counties in the united states did not report ufos we went and took a look at what those counties were they were all rural they were usually poor rural state uh, counties and they had a serious lacking for rural broadband so broadband is a driver you got to be able to report them okay now the influencers were proximity to water, and the next two were found by my colleague in upstate New York, Tom Conwell. Uh, he's a paranormal guy. Yeah, yeah, talked to he, Tom before. Tom's great. Yeah, and and uh, he took our white book. He put a big map of the United States on a wall. Destroyed the wall because he was sticking these top hat pins <laughs> into it. Right. But he discovered that they, the UFOs were tracking with toxic ecosystems. They're very interested in our waste areas. And if you talk to Ray Hernandez from you know Beyond UFOs with the Edgar Mitchell Foundation, oh, the people who were abductees, the, the abductees, the uh, experiencers, experiencers, oh, ET is really cool, and they told us to take care of our planet. They're very interested in our waste and polluted areas. Now, when I say polluted areas, I am not saying where the, that all, they hang out around the 55 nuclear power plants. Everybody asks me that. Nuclear power plants are not generally dirty. Okay. But, uh, and I've got the address for all 55 of them down to the zip code and the sighting numbers are just not there, but they are interested in the brownfields, um, the, um, the, you know, toxic cleanup level uh, places, toxic uh, toxic cleanup fund type places, uh, very polluted rivers, very polluted lakes, okay uh, dead coal mines, dead oil fields, dead strip mines, all that kind of stuff. They are extremely interested in our waste areas. okay, and he found this out. and then he also said that they track along geological faults. Now last summer, we had all those earthquakes in, in South Carolina. South Carolina, ranking-wise, is only about number 26 for sightings in the country. But every time I heard on the radio, there was like, oh, they just had another earthquake in in South Carolina, and they'd usually say what county it was in. And I opened up, I just pulled up the database, took a quick look, and every town, major county that had earthquakes had major sighting uh, spikes. Hmm. So, here's that. And then there's this this thing called high media media reports. Blue Book found this out, but they thought it was a copycat thing. Say you had a sighting on Monday and it was reported in the paper on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. There would be a whole slug of extra additional sightings in that location on like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And Blue Book thought it was copycat people trying to get publicity or notoriety or something like this. What we discovered by looking at National UFO Reporting Center on hot one day flap type things like that, we found out and this, we're talking like a flap day where a state place that only has maybe two sightings a month suddenly has 25 sightings or something like that. We use those kinds of things for our, our, our test. And what, what it turned out to be is people probably read a newspaper article that said you could report your UFOs to MUFON or Fork. Okay. And they'd go in there and look at the New Fork in the following days, and they weren't about the sighting that was just happened, but people read the newspaper article. Oh, maybe I should report that one I had two weeks ago, two months ago, two years ago to New Fork. So they were mostly retro reporting of older sightings because they now know where to report the stuff. Uh, so, and then the, the, go ahead.
0: I was going to say, so I wanted to ask you, why are they interested in our waste? Because I, I'm not. <laughs> I want to stay away from our waste as far as possible.
2: Well, that's the problem. We're, uh, to to use a, um, a term, my biology teacher once said when I was in high school uh, that, notice the mice in our terrarium. They don't poop in their nest. Ah. Okay. We're pooping in our nest when you think about it. Okay. And um, we're, we're we're using up our planet. And hey, we're already got eyes on going to other planets, a couple of light years away. You know, gee, maybe we're going to use this one, make this one the garbage jump. We can go there. You know, uh, not a very good mindset. And I think he he's kind of kind of ticked about that. The last item was generational effect. The number one county in the country for sightings is is uh, Los Angeles County, California. Not the city. Which surprises,
0: which surprises me. I'm just going to throw that out while you, you keep talking. Because
2: that. you're probably thinking light pollution, right? Yeah. Okay. Downtown, absolutely. Uh, downtown LA is only number 25 in the country. The county is a huge area. And also some of it goes up its suburbs and it goes up into the uh, mountains. Remember what I said. Majority of the sightings occur in the bur- suburbs, the bedroom communities, the unincorporated communities further out, and the rural communities further out in the county. That's where it all happened. In fact, if, you, if I plot, do a chart for you from one o'clock in the morning to midnight, and then I put a, a row of zip codes for that county down the side, the major city has all these sightings all day long type of thing. But and the rest of it is empty till about 5 o'clock in the afternoon and then we start seeing sightings in those things. But they end up usually adding up to more than the major city had.
0: I was gonna say, I just pulled up a map. Let's see. And I just, I mean, there's a big, okay, so there's Los Angeles on the south chunk and then there's a Angeles National Forest which fills the middle third and then there's a strip above it that's about the same size. So I could see where there's two thirds approximately, give or take with my Quick math here, that are on major metropolitan area. Yeah, yeah. So okay, I'm not surprised now because I, I thought the city
2: was the county. So yeah, a lot of people didn't think. I had a lot of movement investigators the calling me up. Oh, wait a minute. they got the light pollution. That's impossible. I'll give you one more. Number two county is Maricopa County, California, uh, uh, Arizona. Arizona. Okay, and they're the number two county. In fact, downtown Phoenix. Get your pencils out, kids. It, uh, zip code eight five zero zero one is the hottest zip code in the country for UFO sightings. It's it's got like uh, five hundred more than the next the next zip code. Wow. Okay, for that twenty year period. Okay. And I've had television producers come to me, hey, we want to go someplace that's like the, the real hotspot and set up our cameras and just wait for them, you know? And I said, even even with Maricopa County, it's only five or six a month, Well, you know? So you're still going to burn up your producer's credit card, you know, <laughs> sitting on a penthouse waiting for these guys to come, you know? Um, so, but the deal is with that generational effect. Mom and dad, grandpa told us about the Battle of LA in February 1942. Maybe if we look up, we'll see something. Mom and dad saw the Phoenix lights in 1997. Maybe if we look up, we'll see something. There's a kind of a folk cultural imperative to look up more often because something cool happened there once. I
0: was going to say it, um
2: I'm surprised not many people are looking up these days.
0: Honestly, cuz I find myself looking down more than I used to, as I hold my phone in my hand. I guess that's, but also that audio we, clue didn't work for you. <laughs> well,
2: no, but but think about it. Um, Remember remember what we were saying, it's leisure time. Yeah. Okay. And so what do we got? And we And most of those numbers are up around bedtime. Taking the dog for a walk, that last walk. Taking a dog for a walk and having that last cigarette. Having uh, uh, maybe a night camp with the old lady out on the be- uh, out on the back deck, uh, it's that type of thing. And by the way, dog walkers and smokers are consi- uh, the ones that th- go outside are considered um, reliable observers because they're out all the time. They know the lay of the land. I talked to MUFON investigators, and this one chief investigator told me that uh, when he looks at a month's worth of sightings, he scans a text scan for a smoke and do- or dog. Yes. Okay very reliable observers are out there. And and the other people are out there a lot is uh, people coming out from like uh, 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 everything from Bible study. You know, they come out in the parking lot. Hey, honey, look at that. You know, that kind of thing (laughs) uh, to people coming out for a smoke, uh, like mid shift, two o'clock in the morning, something like that. You know, Um, there was a spike in the hourly chart for Arkansas. I was speaking at the Ozarks conference a couple of years ago. And I couldn't explain this bump at 3 o'clock in the morning. I knew there was a bump at 5. Everybody has this bump at 5 o'clock. It's probably the first dog walk. It's probably the first smoke outside. It's shoveling the snow off the car. You know, it's all that kind of stuff, right? Just before you get out into traffic. But the bump at 3, I couldn't explain. And 12 guys came down. They were almost all wearing jeans or coveralls. And they said, well we grow a lot of chickens here in arkansas and three o'clock in the morning is when we prep our birds to go to market They got to be outside okay so it, it was that, that heard, local that
0: local knowledge is helpful because otherwise you would have never found it on a google search
2: yeah yeah and and there was a goofy thing with uh, of with um alaska Okay? And this is how we discovered this hours of darkness thing. Alaska, their summer season, it's the warm season, but it's white nights. It's light all the time. And that's their their period from about May through the end of August is the worst time. It's like t- totally tanks. There's no, almost no sightings. Okay? In Alaska. Um, Nevada. You look at that, that chart from 1 o'clock in the morning to midnight across the chart. There's a bump at one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning and four o'clock in the morning in Clark County, Nevada. I sent that chart out to an investigator out there. and says, can you explain that to me? And she comes back. Oh yeah. That's when the clubs and the (laughs) clubs and the shows let out again, you've got to be outside.
0: Right.
2: So you come out from the club, you know, Hey honey, look at that. You know, so it, there's a lot of the serendipitous uh, aspect with
0: that kind of thing. Okay, hold on a second. Let's do this. Shifting Gears brought to you by sure. evergreenpodcast.com. Shifting Gears brought to you by evergreenpodcast.com. Okay, now now that I did my problem, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do yours. Where can people find the books
2: and find you and all the, you know, you know what I'm okay. talking about now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I gave up having a website. Uh, I used to have a very nice one, had my own domain, CherylCosta.com. It's long gone. Uh, hackers took me apart. Uh, after White Book came out, uh, we had the pay- we had our webpage taken apart three different times. Uh, I had a Japanese boutique firm pirate my account and they were running their entire database out of my website. I thought I was getting all these great page views and things like that no they were running they were running a, a catalog out of my website oh okay so um i gave up on that um basically any more of these days i just point people at you can uh, if you want to talk to me get on twitter you know it's a uh, costa dash writer i'm easy to find um if you want to buy our books go to amazon we do exclusively self-published through amazon we have got our own publishing company here my wife is our editor and and uh publishing expert she did that for the government so she knows what she's doing and um so you go to amazon put costa ufo costa space ufo you'll find her books now you'll find you can find the reference books that type of thing or my book of uh the book called um the ufo beat which is 38 of my article i'm sorry 238 of my newspaper columns that i wrote That's good. Now, um, our UFO desk references, the white book, uh, UFO sightings desk reference 2001, to 2015, and 2001 to 2020, the pink book. Uh, I warn you right now, there are no stories in it. It is our research. It is charts, graphs, and numbers, and data tables for every single state down to the county level. I've had people buy the desk reference thinking it was uh, a a catalog of sighting stories. It is not a book of stories. If you want stories by my UFOB, it's my column. I tell lots of stories. Now, the last thing about that, the books we just produced back starting last Halloween to the to December 21st we uh, 27th rather we published 50 individual state books with detailed down to the zip code and village level for each individual state okay and they're sensibly priced we the smaller states it was only about 12 bucks which pretty much the cost of printing and then the bigger states like California and the top 10 states they might have gotten edged up towards 18 but they're dirt cheap and they go right down to the zip. You'll find your county, find your zip code. And if if your village or your burg had uh, sightings, it will be there and it will show whatever shapes were there and going across 20 years, how many of them they had. No story. So it's just statistics. Okay. I've had hate mail before come to me and say, this is nothing but charts, graphs, and numbers. You know, so. Well. <laughs> yeah. uh, but if you want to find that series of books, Go up on the Amazon, you can find it just by doing cost of UFO. But if you want to get right to it, type go in and type like UFO, what state are you in? Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. So type you type UFO UFOs plural in Pennsylvania and where to find them Kind of, it, we kind of named it after Fantastic Beasts and where to find them so every single book is named uh, UFOs in, uh, in da, da 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 and where to find them so you go in there type UFOs in Pennsylvania and uh, uh, well and where to find them and it'll take you right to our book for that for that state and they will have it to you in two or three days
0: so I've got to ask this question because I've got a Canadian listener chomping at the bit to know this answer no Canadian books yet?
2: um i strictly do u s a uh i had a very difficult. i couldn't get canadian information now I could, if I wanted to, because uh, National UFO Reporting Center has completely redone their database and they've actually got a column now. Uh, not only can they give you the, the state, they can give you the countries that people were filing other countries. It may not be complete, but it would give you a picture. Um, there's a guy by the name of Rus- uh up in, I think he's in Manitoba. He is my equivalent up there. If anybody can tell you the numbers up in Canada, he can. I don't know if he's published all this stuff yet or not, but he's he's my equivalent up there.
0: He's working on it, at least. That's the key. At least somebody's working on it.
2: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I've had people ask me. They wanted me to map Europe. I, you know, <laughs> I, no, I literally, I did try to reach out and try to get the access to the databases. And we had language problems and um, there there weren't that many volunteer organizations like MUFON and New Fork doing it in those other countries. What was that name okay. again? About one? The, the Canadian guy who's doing your work. Uh, uh, Chris Roshankowski. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll capture his name uh, yeah. off my Facebook and I'll send it to you later. Sounds so good because
0: I, I, I have no chance of getting that one right. No. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. He's a sharp guy. He's, he's a professor. He's a really sharp guy. I like him a lot.
0: So, the uh, fun question I've got for you now because mm-hmm. um, how many UFO settings do you think go unreported? I mean you ha- you said you had 150 counties where the, the internet wasn't great so nobody um, reports so I mean there's probably fi- a couple thousand there but what do you think?
2: There was a poll in 2017 done by Fox Pictures a similar poll done two years later by um, the Gallup organization and they asked the same questions you know and they came back with uh, 36% believe in UFOs uh, 42-45% are on the fence 17-15% think it's all hogwash okay that's pretty much what the polls did but Fox and Gallup asked an additional question and that question was have you ever seen a UFO? And based on their data, they came back with a ratio of um, 16.74% of adult Americans have reported a UFO or have seen a UFO, not reported. Well, that, that works out to 43,289,000 Americans. That's adult a lot. Americans. And it doesn't. Jive with one hundred and sixty seven thousand six hundred and thirty two reports between two databases
0: it's a so, little off. I'm not good at math, but I heard hundreds of thousands versus millions so
2: yes, yes, so I played with it now the old folk folk um, uh, rule of thumb in the UFO community, especially when I first started writing my column, I was kind of new into bigger the, the actual wading into the actual UFO community. And I asked people, you know, how how many do what? You know, like this. And people said, the the rule of thumb seems to be one in 10. You know, you had guys in barbershops asking their people. They had, you know, people in hair salons asking people, you know. And, and they kept coming back with this one in 10. But the numbers don't jive there either.
0: Yeah, say okay. one in 10 and 330 million still
2: way higher. It uh-uh, than- <laughs> doesn't work. So... I ask, I I really press one investigator, and he says one in ten sees one, and one in ten of them reports one. I've worked the numbers; it doesn't, still doesn't work. Uh, you're getting closer, okay. though. No, you aren't. No. No, not even close. Uh-oh. Trust me, I've worked the numbers. A couple. of oh, I do trust ways. you.
0: It just seems like you're getting closer, though. But no, no, you aren't.
2: <laughs> so. What we determined was, again, adult Americans and our 167,632. When you tried to do it just against the state, it didn't look right. Okay. So I went to each individual state, got their adult population, and ran the numbers from how many sightings they had against their adult population. And what we ended up with was a bell curve at one end. It was like one in 150 people at the other end, one in 475 people. And up at the top, it, it, it on that bell curve was up in the, uh, 250, 257, something like that. So the number we publish is one in 257 people reports what they see and the numbers keep holding up.
0: That's interesting. So, okay, so you kind of we kind of talked a little bit before the show, and you mentioned you've been into the paranormal and the, the spiritual side of things. Now, I have a question for you, because you've been deep in the UFO world for a while, and you've been through the other stuff. I've found that most people either have the one experience with either the ghost, the Bigfoot, or the UFO, or have the trifecta of all three, or have yet to find anybody with two.
2: I don't look for them. Uh, um, but have you
0: just, have you noticed when people are telling you stories, they always have more and more paranormal stories? Or is it always just... The
2: people who have a lot of sightings or have a lot of these experiences usually have some paranormal gift. Okay. okay? That I did find. Okay. Uh, I have found that people who seem, have had mo- uh, lots of UFO sightings. I find usually that they also are a been touched experiencer. They've been touched by ET. Okay. I, um, I used to, at one point in our column, I was about three years into our column and every now and then I'd get an invitation to come over to some backyard barbecue and I was afraid there was a lynch mob over there or something, you know. So I took somebody – I took our one of our security guards to go over there with me. And we get over there and find out it's really a backyard barbecue. So within about a minute, I got a beer and a burger in my hand. So, okay, fine, you know. And then they take me aside and say, hey, we want you to meet our Uncle Ralph. He was in World War II and B-17s, and he saw Foo Fighters, you know. Or, you know, they do things like that. In two cases – the matriarch of the family took me aside after we had social time with the family outside. Took me aside and opened up like a family album and in both cases both families had been touched for upwards of 5 4 to 5 generations by ET. So as if ET was taking samples about every, you know, every generation. It's so, crazy. Uh, crazy.
0: Uh, yeah, as we say, you left me speechless there, which isn't a good thing for a radio host. <laughs> Should be is speechless. Um, what percentage of UFO sightings are anomalous or
2: misidentified? Okay, let's go a different way on that. Okay, researchers typically, uh, Dr. Valase said 80% is noise of the sightings. Okay. Uh, MUFON investigators go with about seventy percent. Linda and Cheryl, we use different criteria. We came up with sixty-eight percent. For the sake of argument, we say let's keep thirty percent and throw seventy percent away. We don't know what seventy percent, but for statistical purposes, right. we we were are going to say what thirty percent would be. Okay. Now, I actually wrote an op-ed article, uh, an op-ed piece for a newspaper today. Okay, And I used this 30% number, but I also, when the ONDI report came out, remember they talked about they had like this 500 site, 506 sightings, but they narrowed it down to only 171 were unexplained. Yeah. Well, the 171 was 33 point, uh, 33.5. So in the, or op-ed piece, I do my thirty percent numbers, and then I I do it again using the thirty-three point five that O and D I had, okay, against the national numbers. So, of one hundred and sixty-seven thousand six hundred and thirty-two, if we take throw seventy percent away, that leaves us with thirty percent. That's fifty thousand two hundred eighty-nine for twenty years, an average of twenty-five hundred a year. Two hundred and ten a month, and about four per week. Okay, now think carefully here. That's two hundred and ten starships coming to the United States every month for the two hundred and forty months of twenty years. No, that that's... doesn't knock the wind out of you. Nothing will.
0: <laughs> I was going to say that's still. It's that. That number seems really high to me. <laughs> I mean, okay, it's, real, okay. it's legitimate, but you know, I'm saying like. You know what I'm saying? Like when you think, no, you know, you think know, about. I know
2: what. Okay, I know what you're saying. Okay, give me one second here. Let me get. I gotta get a certain page in front of me here. I did the numbers for using the ONDI numbers. Okay, thirty-three percent. Illustrate for the article. Here it is. Okay, for them, using their numbers, it would have been. So you never have the stuff in 20 years. Okay. Well, you're close though. <laughs> okay. 33.5% of the 167,000 would be 5600 156 for 20 years. It would be 2800 per year, 234 per month, 54 per week and 7 per day. That's one one a day. Okay? But again, some people say, "Oh, that's still too many, Cheryl." Okay. All right. Let's throw 99% away. Yeah. Keep 1%. Okay. All right. That works out to 1,676 for 20 years, 84 per year, and seven per month. Now, if those are the real thing, then we've got seven starships a month coming here for the last 240 months of 20 years. That's still something to write home about. I was going to say, that's still
0: mind-blowing, because you think, like, I think one, right, buzzes over, and a bunch of people see it. You know, that's, I mean, you're talking almost eating an air traffic controller level of uh, traffic.
2: Yes. (laughs) Now, I'll give you a flavor to that. A story, one story that I wrote from 1947, done by some observers looking through a telescope high up in the atmosphere. And then uh, you remember when the New York Times broke the, um, uh, the ATIP story in yep. December of uh, 2017? Yep. Okay. If you That article is still up in the New York Times. If you go back in their archives and you watch it, don't worry about looking at the gimbal. Listen very carefully to the pilots talking. There's one point when the pilot locks up. Hey, I'm locked onto him. Yay, ha, ha, that's great. And one of them says, yeah, wow, look at him go. And then the other pilot says, oh my God, look up there. There's a whole fleet of them. Okay. Now, the 1947 article was Syracuse Universe February of 1947. This is five months before Roswell. There it was February in Syracuse, New York. Uh, two guys were had just left a, a, a dining hall, they were going to their uh, dormitory and they were going past the Holden Observatory. The Holden Observatory on campus is this uh, very gothic rock building with you know, uh, it, it, it's clearly 19th century architecture, and they could see the telescope moving around in the open hole the door was open because those things can't be heated okay and they, they we walked in to see what was going on and this this professor was walking back and forth with the telescope looking at something and he realized that get these kids were there he says come here you got to see this and he had each one look up at this thing he get it in position to have them look up and he says tell me what you saw after they both had looked. And he says, there was all these wedge-shaped craft up there. He said, yeah, I thought I was crazy. You saw them too. And they are the same shape that was described by Mr. Arnold, who reported them, first guy reported them out there in Washington State uh, many months later, hence, and they coined the term flying saucer. Okay. And but uh, they've been here in droves for a long time.
0: So I guess my next, my last question, last serious Mm -hmm. question, Mm -hmm. because I have one more
2: very lighthearted question. I hope I answered your question. No, no, you did.
0: Um, Is this disclosure thing's been you know beat around and beat daft up one side down the other? I think we're always going to get drips. Do you do you agree with that, or do you see somebody finally coming clean and saying, "Yes, there's been." thousands of actual sightings and we're not you know we're not hiding it anymore
2: people for too long figured that they know they the government knew all about it dr conan shut off all the funds unless it was in a dark program okay uh dr conan shut off all that money back when he gave his talk to congress back in 1968 so when we were getting up here after part of the reason the guys on the Nimitz couldn't get anybody to pay any attention to what was going on is nobody wanted to touch it. It had a stigma. It was affecting the military just as bad as it was affecting the civilian population. Hey, did you see that UFO? No. And you didn't either. You know, that kind of, that was the mindset. Do you know, when I was doing the pink book, the guy at Staples would come up to me when I would come over to run printing of chapters to see if it was done right. And he would say, you did take all the kooks, nuts, and crackpots out, right? <laughs> I said, how am I supposed to do that? You know, but it set me, his question set me up to coming up with the idea of using percentages as a filter. Okay. Um, so to your question, repeat the question, please.
0: Are we ever going to get full disclosures? It's just going to keep dripping for the next hundred years.
2: Okay. Steve Bassett says Yes. He says things are being dismantled in the the infrastructure of organizational infrastructure that was keeping the secret. You're starting to get congressmen are getting these these briefings saying, and then they're coming out and saying, uh, "Look up, they're here." You know, the, the, yeah. the, your, congressmen are starting to say this stuff. Okay, and they're really pushing the military because they they didn't like their answers. Look how long it took them to publish the ONDI report. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, so th- th- that th- they're they're struggling with internal stuff. Plus, also, if you talk to Lou Alessandro, okay, and and I worked in compartmented work myself in the Navy. Um, it takes there's quite a process of declassifying something and you got to do it by the book yeah. okay so if they're trying to declassify and some of the stuff may may, be, may have been pushed off into some dark programs particularly maybe recovered technology or something like this uh, and as it is the ONDI report we got was the unclassified version we don't know what that classified version looked like <laughs> well we'll okay? never know that well maybe we will But I'll tell you something. I wrote my congressman in New York State, Senator Schumer, who's now the head of the Senate. Okay. I wrote him for seven years. He got copies of our books. So did Gillibrand. And Gillibrand ended up being one of the sponsors. Okay. Now I'll give you one more. Uh, We're almost out of time. Real quick story. I took two copies of the book in 2021. I laid them on my couch one morning. I wrote a draft cover letter. One-page terse cover letter, executive cover letter, just a draft. Linda had to clean it up, and then I generated a report for Rubio. At that time, was the head of the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, and there was a guy from New York that was the head of the House Senate, uh, House Select Committee on Intelligence. I dumped each of their states down to the zip code and village level. It wasn't clean and perfect, but it was pretty close to what's in these new books. Okay. And I had it printed out up at the copy store, got it got bound and we put it in a package and he both got a two pound package of our pink book with data and print out for their individual state right down to the zip code. Okay. We touched them. Okay. And then when they started the talks, uh, Congressman Andre Carson, he got a similar package from me for Indiana. Okay. So it's not like they've never seen the data.
0: That's good. Hey, but are we going to get it? I think
2: we will. Gotta wrap you up. (laughs) Have a good night. Take care, my friend.
0: Hey, I want to thank you for joining us. It's been a good show tonight. I hope you enjoyed it. Take a few moments, subscribe, share, all the fun stuff. You know how to do it. I don't have to tell you. Just uh, be ready for next week. It'll be sooner than you think.